Gracious and holy God, we give you thanks that as we enter your holy presence, we do so with thoughts in our minds and our hearts. May all of these be acceptable in your sight, as well as my words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Friends, hearing loss runs in my family, so it did not surprise me when I began to have difficulty hearing our children during children's time. So about 18 months ago, I went on the hunt for a good pair of hearing aids. And so I found some that not only have volume control, but they have these other little features like uh, the ability to change for the environment in which we're in. So things like a different setting for restaurants where there's lots of background noise or outdoors where there's a lot of wind or even television or theater settings. In addition to that, I have this wonderful little app on my phone that I can use to uh, direct the sound so that if I'm having a conversation at a table and, and somebody down that way is talking and I can't quite hear them, I can direct my hearing aids to them. It's really quite wonderful quite innovative. I also can hear my music because it has a Bluetooth feature, so as I'm playing music on my iPhone, I actually hear it in my hearing aids, kind of like my own set of iPods. And, and I also can take phone calls. Though I have to tell you, that one's a little more problematic because when I want to pass the phone off to someone else, they can't hear it on my phone. Only I get the privilege of that conversation. So however awesome these new hearing aids became in my world, it did not immediately fix my hearing. What I discovered very quickly is that I still had to listen intently and pay attention if I was truly to engage in all that was going on around me in the world. We can all be a little bit hard of hearing when it comes to listening to God's voice in our lives. We can take a uh, for granted all that we see in the physical world around us and sometimes miss those glimpses of God's presence in nature and God's spirit at work in the acts of literature and art and the personal stories of others around us. We sometimes dismiss God's voice as simply something going on inside us, uh, our own intuition, our own consciousness. Jesus said that the Holy Spirit would be our guide and that we would that this spirit would teach us and remind us of what Jesus came to teach us. So how does this Holy Spirit work in our lives? I think we do hear God through that which we call intuition or conscience. The difference between knowing what is right and what is wrong, that little nudging inside of us that that tells us we should reach out and call someone in a timely way. These subtle little whispers in our hearts and in our minds often give voice to God's nudging, to, to the things that are going on in the world. And we hear them sometimes most loudly through the voices of others around us, through the reading of something that inspires us, or through just the story of someone who is sharing with us. But God also speaks loudly through the scriptures and the person and the works and the uh, words of Jesus. The Bible we claim as the foundation of our Christian faith. 
It is uh, that rich guidance that makes sense of our world that we live in and God's call on our lives if we pay attention to it. It can also be that which deepens our walk with Christ, enriching our meaning in life and giving us a sense of purpose in all that we do. During Lent, the entire Decatur Methodist family is studying five practices that deepen our walk with Christ. And this week, we are going to consider the discipline of study, of reading the Bible. Paul writes to a timid yet gifted young pastor who, to encourage him to live boldly into what God has called him to do in his life and to live more fully committed to the truth that he is tasked with carrying to this congregation that he serves. A truth that he learned at the knee of his mother and his grandmother. He writes this letter to young Timothy. And so this morning I'm going to read from Timothy's or Paul's second letter to Timothy, and I'm going to pick up with the third chapter, verses 14 through 17. Listen to what Paul says about God's word to Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. May God add blessing to this reading of Holy Scripture this morning. This book, this Bible, out has outsold all other publications throughout all of human history. It is called the, the greatest selling book in the publishing industry. And studies have shown that 87% of all Americans actually own a Bible. That's good news. But the sad thing is that Christians in America report, only 35 of them report that they actually read it on a regular basis, like weekly. So Jesus read scripture, friends. Jesus not only read it, he memorized it, he prayed it, and he lived it. The scripture that Jesus memorized, prayed, and lived was the Hebrew scripture, that which we might call the Old Testament. The New Testament had not yet been written at the time of Jesus. In fact, it was just being spoken by God through the person of Jesus Christ. So today, I want us to examine our Bibles. I want you to find your pew Bible, or if you brought yours with you, you can use it as well. I'm going to do a little exercise. I want you to find in the front of it the table of contents. So there you can see in the table of contents that there is these, uh, my table of contents, and in the pew Bible it says the book. They're books. This is a library of sorts of 66 books, and they are broken into two groups, Old Testament and New Testament. Now, if you will find 
in your pew Bible, Matthew. And if you look at that table of contents, you can see that Matthew starts on page 783. I want you to find that and put your finger right in Matthew, right there like that, at the beginning of Matthew. When you look at that, you can see that the Old Testament occupies approximately 75% of your Bible, unless you have a study Bible and the back of your Bible is filled with all kinds of of, uh, maps and graphs and indexes. But about 75% reside in the Old Testament. These pages are filled with history. They are filled with case uh, uh, law. They tell us about the law. They tell us about epic battles between nations, between people, between God and people. And they are filled with poetry, poetry of celebration and joy, poetry of lament and grief and discouragement. They also are filled with writings that capture the wisdom of faithful living and They are filled also with warnings by prophets who warn against, uh, call out the people to be accountable for the injustices in their society. These scriptures in the Old Testament were written across 1,400 years, and they document God's salvation story that began as early as the Bronze Age, went through the Iron Age, and on into the rise of the Greek and Roman society until about 150 years before Christ. These are the very scriptures that Jesus would quote, the scriptures upon which he built his ministry. They are the ethic that he understood, the theology that he witnessed to, and and it shaped his spirituality. These are the scriptures that he interpreted and sometimes reinterpreted in his own ministry. And by his own proclamation, he does that in light of two foundational scriptures that he quotes. When someone asked him, who, what is the greatest commandment? He said, the greatest commandment is that you love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and your mind. And the second one is like it. You should love your neighbor as yourself, he said. And then he went on and he said, on these two commandments hang all, all the law, all the prophets, all the wisdom, and all the poetry that you find in 75% of our Bible today. Now, on the, on the other half, the New Testament half, where you have your finger in Matthew, that is, the, these books were written after the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It starts off with the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which tell the story of Jesus, how he came to show us who God was, and how he came to call us to be in relationship with God more fully and more uh, um, enriched. There is one book in here that is about our history. It tells the story of the first Christians and how the Christian movement developed and grew outside of the Jewish empire into the Gentile 
realms, which includes you and I. There are several letters in here. Now, these letters or epistles, as we might call them, are rich and they're filled with theological and pastoral uh, reflections by those early Christians who were forming the church. Many of those letters, those epistles, precede and predate even the Gospels themselves. And the final book in this New Testament section is the Revelation, which contains the promises of God to triumph over everything that is evil, a time when all things would be made right with God and restored, and death would be defeated in finality. Now, how does one tackle a library so complex, so dense, so encompassing of our Judeo-Christian heritage, thought, and truth? We do it one step at a time. If you are new to Bible study, I encourage you to start with just simply five scriptures a day. Perhaps you start in the, in the New Testament with Matthew and you read the story of Jesus five verses a day until you complete it. Later, as you mature in your Bible reading, perhaps you can take on five chapters a day. Or like Aaliyah, you can find a podcast and and go through the reading of the entire book in a year. On the front of your bulletin, we have our Lenten practice for this week. We've been listing this each week underneath this beautiful graphic called The Walk. And you will see there that, that we are suggesting that you read Philippians 4, 4 through 9 every single day. That's Five easy verses every single day about the Christian attitude that leads to peace in our daily walk with Christ. At the end of reading this, I invite you to uh, join a Bible study. Take advantage of uh, the many opportunities in our congregation to gather with others and to uh, learn from one another. Groups that gather in a Christian name throughout the course of a study end up doing more than just learning together, friends. They support each other. They uplift each other during times of challenges and celebrations. These Christian friends often use the Holy Scripture to help, help us discern God's voice more clearly in our lives. They help us in our struggle to pay attention to those little nudgings deep in our soul where the Holy Spirit is at work, not only in our life, but in people's lives around us. So like the tweaking of a well-tuned hearing device, they can help us sense a greater clarity of what God is asking us to be and do in our own daily walk. They can help us listen more distinctly and pay attention to God's wonderful little nudgings in our lives. There are opportunities in this congregation for you to join in studies. Every Sunday morning at 9.45, eight adult classes, classes for our youth and our children, gather in this building and across the way for Sunday school, a time of study and support and fellowship. And then on Wednesdays throughout the school year, 
Uh, at beginning at 5.45, we share a meal, and then we break up into study groups, and we learn more about our faith. Currently, we're doing a study with Adam Hamilton on forgiveness. We have a group that is gathering to do Bible journaling that I mentioned earlier in the announcements, and a, a group of young men who are going to Trinity Coffee Shop to talk about uh, the way God impacts them in their daily lives. We also have two Bible studies that meet every single week right down here in what we call, lovingly call, the Character Builder Sunday School class, room 209 on this floor. And they meet on Wednesday at 10 a.m. and then again on Thursday at 7 a.m. for those of you who might be working. We gather to read the Bible one verse at a time and to talk about what it might mean, to hear what it, how each other reflects on that, and to support each other. Now a word about this nudging. The work that God does through this intentional listening to God's word. I was called to hospital visit in the absent of our pastoral care pastor who was on, on vacation to visit a, a woman named Mary. Mary was in ICU. I had never met Mary before, and when I entered her room, she was sleeping. But I touched her gently, she woke up, and I introduced myself, and I realized very quickly that she felt too ill for a long visit, and so I said, Mary, may I read some scripture to you? And she nodded. The only thing that came to mind was the 23rd Psalm, so quickly I pulled out my phone and I read the 23rd Psalm to her. Then I prayed for her and I left. Two days later, I went back to visit her in the hospital, and I found her this time not in ICU, but in a room of her own. She was laying in her bed with a meal and a popsicle, an orange popsicle that was melting in front of her. So as I entered the room, she was awake this time. I greeted her, and I said, may I help you eat anything? And she just looked at me kind of blank. I said, would you like a bite of the popsicle? And she nodded, and so I broke her orange popsicle up and began to feed it to her. And then I said, Mary, how are you doing? And she managed to tell me the doctors are not giving me much hope. And I said, Mary, we're a people of hope. And I remember what Jesus told us in the Gospel of John when he's talking to his to his disciples, and so I took out my phone and I began to read from the 14th chapter of John when Jesus says, uh, my father's house has many, many dwelling places and I'm going to prepare you a place, and if I go to prepare you a place, I will surely return to take you there with me so that you might be with me. And as I read that scripture, that woman's face lit up, her eyes began to sparkle, and she continued to say, yes, Yes, yes. That night, Mary died. And when I got word of it, it was by her family coming and meeting with me in my office to talk about her funeral arrangements. They handed me a folder. And in that folder was a document that she had prepared many years before with her wishes of what she wanted included in her funeral service. The two scriptures that she wanted read at her funeral were the Psalms 23 and John 14. That's how 
But God works in our lives. That's how the Holy Spirit works in our lives. Friends, by paying attention to this gentle nudge and tug of the Spirit and listening intentionally to the yearning of the souls around us, we will hear more clearly God's voice and we will begin to see the work of the Holy Spirit around us. But cultivating uh, and shaping our skills through the study of Scripture will lend a greater clarity to God's will for our own lives. And doing these things consistently will, will lead to a richer, fuller, and more meaningful walk with Jesus throughout our lives. Thanks be to God.